God desires to do something new. Now, a lot of times when the statement like that is made, there are those who react saying, are you saying that the old wasn't good? No. Is that there's something new that's needed. A refreshing, a renewing, a restoration. And the phrase that the Lord has pressed in upon me in the last two weeks is this phrase, it is time. Now, maybe it's because of all kinds of situations that have involved time in this last week. It was time to celebrate our anniversary, our wedding anniversary this week. Needed to make sure I didn't forget that. It was time. I made a trip on Tuesday to the airport to pick up our son and their two youngest as they were coming to settle in for a couple days before heading back to Kenya and their mission work. But the problem was the time kept changing. It was supposed to be at 5.30 in the morning. Well, and then it got pushed back a little, and then it got canceled, and then it got rescheduled, then it got canceled, then it got pushed back. Then it went through a different airport, then it went on a different airline, and oh, about 18, 19 hours after it was supposed to be, they arrived. But it was still time. And then Friday, taking them back to the airport and what time we were supposed to leave, and they got noticed that, oh, it had been pushed back. And then he got noticed that it had been pushed forward. Then we got noticed that it had been pushed back. So we just left anyway. Because we figured they didn't know what time was. Even though the Lord kept saying, it is time. On Thursday afternoon, two of our granddaughters joined us. On Friday, the next three joined us. And ever since then, Jody and I have not been on our own time. We've been on the time of five granddaughters from age two to 12. Their time's different than our time. But it's all been on his time. For you see, what I've discovered is, when he says it's time, it is time. The question is, time for what? Because it's always time for something. What is the time? Well, this morning, what I want to press in on is what the Lord has been pressing on me. And that is that it's time to intercede and to bless. To intercede and to bless. We looked last or two weeks ago about prayer, or last week, or sometime not that long ago. I'm mixed up on this time thing already. And when it's time to pray, which is any time, it is then time to obey. And I am convinced at least for me, and since I'm your pastor, it's for you too, 
it's time to intercede and to pray. Two passages we're going to read this morning. One is in Ephesians chapter 3. Both of these are in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 3 and then also in the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. But I want you to understand these two words. To intercede and to bless. Intercession by definition, implies a mediator, someone to go between, to go between, and this person is seeking reconciliation of any differences between two people or two groups or more than that. That they intercede, they come and communicate back and forth to bring together. It's time to intercede. You don't have to turn on the news or social media or anything for more than a few seconds to realize we need a lot of going between right now to intercede. We see this picture of intercession in the Old Testament. Go clear back to Genesis and you see that Abraham was interceding on behalf of his nephew Lot and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. We see that Moses interceded for the Israelite nation and over and over throughout all of the Old Testament, you see prophets interceding on behalf of their people. But the greatest example of intercession is Jesus Christ interceding for us by going to the cross because that was our sentence, the cross. We had done what justifies The crucifixion, not Jesus. But instead, he stepped in and went between for us. The perfect intercession. It's time to intercede. But also, it's time to bless. To bless, by my definition, is to give favor. Not favorite, but to give favor to someone else, to bless them, to uplift them with our words, to uplift them in our actions, to uplift them in our prayers, and to allow them to see that they are favored by us and by God. So I wanted the kids up here today symbolically and for you to see them and for them to see you to understand that we were blessing them with our prayers. I hope with our actions as well as with our words to uplift them. There has never been a greater need for students to have people who bless them than there is today. So many things surrounding them. So many family situations that are anything but a blessing. And for them to simply know somebody is blessing them. Somebody is praying for them as they go forward. They're dealing with stuff that none of us have ever dealt with. Not as students anyway. 
Oh, I know, we love to talk about how tough it was in our day and how we walked through two feet of snow uphill both directions to get to school and that they have it so easy today. I'll take what I went through over what they're facing and the variety they're facing. They need to know somebody, and in this case, a bunch of somebodies, is praying and blessing them. Not looking for what they do wrong, but seeing what they do right. Not looking for where the mistakes are, but instead looking where the ministry is. And letting them know God has already chosen them. He has a plan for them. Plans to bless them and not to harm them. Plans for them to be used by God. But you see, that's true not just for the students, but it's true for every person you lay eyes on this week. That's true for every person that comes to your mind and heart this week. God's got a plan. He loves them. He desires to bless them. So we need to do the same. It is time. You see, we can intercede for others in our prayers and in our actions. We can bless others with our prayers and with our actions. We can't make the decision for them, but we can let them know what decision is available. We can pray that God breaks through in a way that gets their attention for them to make the choice to follow Christ. For them to know that he is with them. Now, there's a lot of cynicism today. And especially, it seems, lately in the church. The church in general. As well as us. And a lot of that cynicism is kind of that phrase of, yeah, right. I don't think so. Maybe they are not here. But you see, what I read in Scripture and what I've experienced is the same God who did what he did in other days is still the same God. And he desires the same things. And the more I study Scripture, the more I realize that those he blessed and those he used in miraculous ways had nothing on us. They weren't any more talented. They were just maybe more available. They weren't any more knowledgeable. We've never been more knowledgeable. They were more obedient. It's time to intercede and to bless. It's time to follow what he has called us to do and to be who he has called us to be. It's time to renew our belief in miracles. And don't try to tell me God can't do it. I've seen him do it too many times. There's a song that has just captured my heart recently called Too Good Not to Believe. It just keeps talking about all the things God has done. And in listening to that song, and as the person who wrote it was recounting some personal issues of things where they had seen God break in in miraculous ways, and it was like, ha, it's good for him. But then listening and going, that's right, God, you've done this, and you've done this, and you've done this. 
Why not now? Because I am convinced it is time. It's time for us to drop our doubts. It's time for us to drop our fears. It's time for us to complain about anything from the past and anything in the present and simply focus on him and what he desires for us. It is time. Take a look with me. In Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. For this reason, I bow before him. For this reason, I kneel. Mark chapter 2 is a living example of four friends who decided it is time. It says in chapter 2, speaking of Jesus, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. That'd be awesome. It's time, by the way. Now, as he was preaching the word to them, they came, this group of friends bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Just pause, look up, think through, having church, and suddenly hearing, And having the ceiling start falling in. A big hole opens to the outside. And four guys who were foolish enough to believe that God still did miracles started lowering a friend down on a mat. Some of your first reactions would be, I can't believe they just tore up our roof. Some of you, your reactions would be, that's not fair. I got here really early to get in. Some of you would be going, please don't drop him. Please don't drop him. Please don't drop him. But let's look at what Jesus did. When they could get 
could not get near him because of the crowd. They let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit what they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose, immediately picked up his bed, and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified. And they were saying, we've never seen anything like this. It is time. It is time for what God desires to do, and he desires to do so much more than have us just meet at 10 and get out at 11. But to see lives changed. To see bodies restored. To see marriages healed. To see parent and child relationships corrected. To see his people engaged in his ministry. It is time. One of the things that intrigues me about this story, looking at it from the preacher's side. You're preaching and they disrupt by coming in. But then the healing takes place, and the guy who just got healed, who has the greatest testimony of the whole group, got up and left. He didn't even stay. But you see, the miracle had already taken place. Because it was time now for him to walk it out, literally. So I have a couple of things here for us to ponder. The first is from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees. Let me ask you, what is your reason? In Ephesians, when Paul was writing this to the church in Ephesus, at the beginning of that chapter, now understand he wrote a letter. He didn't break it into chapters, just like you and I don't. He wrote a letter to them. Inspired by God. But at the beginning of what we call chapter 3, he also said, for this reason. So what was the reason? The reason was to do what God wanted. The reason was to see people come to faith in Christ. And he repeats it here in verse 14. For this reason. What is your reason to pray? What is your reason to bless? What is your reason to live this out. We've got a lot of reasons, but I have five pretty special ones who have been with us the last few days. Oh, it's not that everybody else doesn't matter, but they matter a little more, if you'll allow that. And as I pray for them regularly, I pray 
that they know Jesus as their Savior above everything else, above good grades, above being good athletes. I want them to know Jesus. I'm not really concerned whether or not they're good kids. I want them to be God's kids. They're part of the reason I kneel. You're part of the reason I kneel. And that every Sunday morning, I spend about an hour walking through this sanctuary, sitting up here and imagining you and praying for this reason. If you don't know your reason, you're not going to do it. See, when you know your reason, you do it with passion. When you know your reason, you keep doing it. When you know your reason, time kind of stands still. So let me ask you, what's your reason for doing what you know God wants you to do? Secondly, in Mark chapter 2, we see his friends carried the paralytic in. You said, how do you know it's his friends? Who else would do that? Come on. I mean, unless they had a, you know, a, a donkey-drawn carriage out there that said four men in a mat, these were his friends. They didn't just show up and go, eh, no room, let's take him back. They didn't, upon hearing that Jesus was coming, say, he won't have time for us. They carried him there. They exerted themselves. When they were stopped, they didn't stop. Too many times when you and I are stopped, we stop. Right? At the first moment's hesitation, we stop. In fact, we quite often stop ourselves before anybody else does. His friends carried him there, which leads me to this question. Where are you leading your friends? These four friends took him to Jesus. That's the best place to take anybody. Where are you leading those you're burdened for? You see, physically, we can invite them. Physically, we can pick them up. Now, now don't grab them, but drive up in the vehicle and pick them up. We lived in North Carolina for a couple of years, and I was teaching school, and there are a lot of phrases in the South that are different than up here. Being from up here, I think their phrases are weird. Being from down there, they thought my phrases were weird, but one of those that actually created a real issue. I was a school teacher and a coach in a public school, and one guy and I were coaching at the same high school. We were teaching in a middle school, and we were coaching at this high school, and uh, I had had to hitch a ride in that morning, didn't have a vehicle to get there. And I asked him, can you give me a ride over to the school? He said, yeah, I'll carry you. I said, no, I don't need you to carry me. Just give me a ride. And he looked at me, his name was Harry, and he said, I'll carry you. Now, you have to understand, Harry was big enough, he could have carried me to the school. He was a football coach. He was a weightlifter. He worked out. 
There was less of me then than there is now. He could have carried me there. And I thought that's what he was offering. And I said, no, you are not carrying me anywhere. Will you drive me there or not? And he looked at me and said, what did you think I meant when I said carry you? I'm not picking up your bony body and taking you there except in my car. We had gotten off base on the phrase. I think a lot of us have gotten off base on our phrases with the Lord. What does it mean to lift them? What does it mean to reach out to them? Physically, we need to make contact. Prayerfully, we need to continue to lift them in prayer. I have a folder on my phone that's entitled prayer list. And on that list, all my kids and grandkids, nieces and nephews, other relatives, a whole bunch of other friends, and many of you by name or group. Praying. What are you doing? Where are you leading your friends? Number three, his friends removed the obstacles. They did not shrink at the first obstacle, which was this place is packed. They did not shrink from that first obstacle, but instead it says when they could not get near him, verse four of Mark two, because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. What obstacles have you allowed to get in between you and those you're trying to reach? What obstacles have you allowed to get between you and the Lord? Or you in serving the Lord? Or you in giving to the Lord? We serve an obstacle-removing God. So why don't we pick up a few obstacles? Why don't we rip open a couple of roofs? Now, don't go to your neighbor's house, jump up on the roof and start cutting into it today and blaming me for it. Understand what I'm saying. But it's time for us to not shrink back from every obstacle we face. So find out what are the obstacles in your way. Identify and name them. And then let me ask you, are you willing to lay hands on the obstacle to help remove it? Laying hands on it in prayer. Laying hands on it physically if necessary. To get them to Jesus. Parents. It doesn't matter what the attitude of your child is. Get them to Jesus. Is church the only answer? No, but it's certainly a good one. So get them here. Remove the obstacles. Wake them up earlier. And then earlier. And then earlier. And then earlier until they catch on that they're coming. No matter how much they complain that it's too early. That was free. That wasn't even in the message. Number four, his friends put him at the feet of Jesus. They removed the obstacles and they literally laid him at Jesus' feet. Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, 
I mean, they laid the guy there, kind of hard to ignore. Where have you been putting your friends or family? Where have you been putting your neighbors or coworkers? It is time that we lay them at the feet of Jesus. We need to ask what we've done with our family and our friends, with our neighbors and classmates, with our coworkers, those God brings across our path. And last, notice Jesus' response. Verses 5 through 12 tell us that Jesus forgave and healed their friend. Now, that friend had to obey. He could have just stayed there on the mat. A lot of people do, including some of us. Even though God's saying, here, we just go, nah, I'm kind of comfortable here. I like to complain about it, but I'm used to it. Jesus forgave and he received. Jesus healed and he responded. You see, the reason he left is it's what Jesus told him to do. He said, take up your mat and walk. So he left. He walked out. Imagine every person who saw him because they knew he had been paralyzed. They knew the friends had carried him. But haven't you also wondered what the four friends on the roof did? I mean, one, I love the image of them looking through the hole in the roof. <laughs> Part of it being, how much trouble are we in? Does he look mad? Jesus wasn't, but maybe the owner of the house was. I don't think the four friends stayed on the roof, do you? I'm pretty sure that when Jesus said, pick up your mat and walk, and their friends did, they scrambled off that roof and got down and hugged and danced with their friend. It's time for us to intercede. It's time for us to bless. What time, what is it time for you to do? What is God urging, prodding, prompting you to do? Who is it that he's bringing to your mind to intercede for this morning? Who do you need to bless with your prayers, with your words, with your actions? I realize this morning that some of you like the sound of it, but say, I don't have enough faith. I'll tell you what, you can borrow some of mine. Because God's got enough to fill what I give away. You see, he's too good to not believe. I've seen him do it before. He wants to do it again. It is time to believe. It is time to put it into practice. It is time to share it. It is time to pray for and pray for it. To pray for it and pay for it. And it's time to talk it and then walk it out. Back in the day when most shoes had a tongue on them, the old timers used to say, make sure the tongue on your shoes matches the tongue in your mouth. 
In other words, make sure you're walking the direction you're talking. Don't say one thing and walk a different direction. It's time, isn't it? That as we walk from here today to walk out what we've been nodding our heads to, I would say what you've been saying amen to, but you're too shy for that. It's time for us to walk out what we know is right. Because just in that fact, lives will be changed and people will notice. In your home, in your neighborhood, where you work, and for these students, where they take their classes. It is time. Father, thank you for your call. Thank you for the perfect timing of your call. Oh, Lord, help us to recognize it is time. May we put into practice what you have already shown us to do. Lord, help us to know our reason for kneeling. Help us to know where we're leading our friends. Father, may we remember that you always provide. It is time. Lord, I pray your hand upon us as we go. I pray for willing spirits. Lord, I pray for reconciled hearts and relationships. In Jesus' name. Amen.